What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Super Fantasy Bros podcast, which is part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. I am one half of the team, Kevin Coleman, at the boys underscore 22, and I am joined on the co- podcast by my co-host, Jacob. Jacob, we made it. First week, we are here. I don't know if you know this, but everybody keeps saying we're almost here to football, and we're here. We're close. We finally made it. All the bad off-season takes, everything that we had to endure, have content. How do you feel this week? Uh, it feels great, Kevin. All my fantasy teams are drafted, and uh, I was looking down the line, and I only have one player that I have on every single team. And you want to know who that is? CEH? No, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. I didn't ah. expect that, but he kept falling. I think that I think that hamstring injury is scaring everyone, so I got him at a crazy good value. So I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. I thought it was a CH love, and I was gonna have to cry because you're, you're drafting CH too much, and I, I didn't. I don't want to be up that be that shoulder. You got to cry on at the end of the year after he disappoints you for another year in a row. Oh shoot! I have him in one league, and he and he is my flex option. If that helps, I'm in 19 leagues. Don't cool. tell my wife. Hello. And I have no CEH. Even best ball, nothing. I'm not. I'm out. I don't have him. So I just want everybody to know I do not have him anywhere. Um, all right. So on today's show, though, what we're going to cover in is recent news. So we're just going to go through some even recent news that just happened earlier, like literally 30 minutes ago. If you're listening to this on Tuesday or if this on Wednesday, it happened a day ago. Uh, and everything that you need to know for week one. So let's dive in. Here we go. So first bit of news uh, for us Cowboy fans out here. Uh, we're sad right now. Zach Martin is out against the Bucs. Uh, they could either have some other offensive line issues depending on how COVID has worked out and other injuries. Uh, you know, the biggest news for me is Zeke. Uh, you know, I've been high on Zeke this whole year. He, he pulls a really tough matchup. That, that Buccaneers defensive line and that defense and run defense is one of the top defenses in the, in the league. Now you're talking about his, you know, Zach Martin, all perennial, you know, garbing out. Yeah, mm-hmm. different other areas there. Are we worried about Zeke, Jacob? What are you doing with Zeke? Oh, I'm starting him everywhere because if you drafted him, you drafted him either at pick number four or at pick number 10, like wherever he fell, uh, wherever he fell to you, you drafted him to be your workhorse running back. And Dak is and Dak is 100% healthy. I think this all hinges on Dak's health. And by all accounts and all reports, Dak is healthy and ready to roll, which means that Zeke needs to be started no matter how good the other team's defense is. And the Bucks' defense is good, let me tell you. But you start your studs. Yeah, you got to start him, right? Like, I don't understand. Like, who else are you going to start in this in this case? Like, if you're not right. going to start Zeke, I mean, who are you going to go with in that as that running back too? I would say the only argument I would have – now, I'm starting Zeke. Uh, but the yeah. only argument that I could see is, like, let's say it's just a start two running back league and, you know, it's a PPR league and you maybe went really heavy wide receiver and you have, like, some good options there. But, I mean, even then, that's a shaky argument as, you can, as I say it out loud. Like, yeah. I'm going to go Zeke, and then you just hope he scores touchdown. He gets a touchdown inside, and that's not – if they get in the red zone, they're going to pound it with Zeke. You're going to see them getting that usage in there. Uh, I think Zeke's going to have a huge year. So, for me, mm-hmm. like, you can't worry about this too much. Uh, don't get cute the first week of the season. You start right. your studs, yes. you do it, you see where they go, and then by week four, you make adjustments. But week one – Zeke's a, that's it there. Uh, and, and to me, um, on the other side, start every buck player you can because the Cowboys off defense is awful. Like this is going to be a, sh- this is going to be a shootout. In my opinion, yeah. I think tomorrow is going to be a lot of fun because I think both offenses are going to go up and down the field. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm excited to see Zeke. I'm excited to see, uh, I'm excited to see Dak. If Dak doesn't win, 
the comeback player of the year, it's going to be Zeke because he's coming back from a terrible season. But, you know, as you and I have talked about, Kevin, it's Dax. It's Dax's award to lose. Dak, baby. Can't wait. We're going to talk about it at the end of the, year, uh, end of the, end of the show. We're going to do award kind of winners that we think is going to happen. But Dak's the guy. All right, let's go to uh, another NFC East team uh, who, who, who will not be named because they're trash, but the Giants. Uh, Saquon Barkley. So let's look at Saquon Barkley here. Knee. Uh, he's close to being fully cleared. Looks like he's ready to go. Are we starting him? What are we doing? With, so we just said start your studs, but now let's talk mm-hmm. about Barkley because this uh, this is the question mark coming in the year. Are you starting Barkley tomorrow uh, right away? So the only difference between Elliot and Barkley is Elliot isn't dealing with any sort of injury. You know, so yeah. he is completely healthy. We're not worried about Zeke, but with Barkley, we are a little bit worried. Uh, now he has been cleared to play and you know by all accounts he's on a pitch count so that is a little bit scary but i like the point that you made earlier kevin who else are we starting other than barkley i guess we could put in our you know rb2 as our rb1 and then our you know like philip Lindsay or whoever we got later as our rb2 uh and then put in our favorite flex but i would much rather gamble on barkley over a what the heck flex, you know, like I think that Barkley's going to get enough touches and has enough upside to warrant at least RB two consideration in my, in my week one rankings, he will be lower just because of that pitch count scare, but I, I would still start him as at least your RB two or even your flex. Yeah. To me, I, I you put it in, you're going to be putting in Barkley, and I think the expectations you should have is he's going to be a running back too, like right. that low end running back too. So when you're looking at your projection, you're looking at your team. I don't see him being any higher than that based on that injury. That defensive line out there in Denver, Jacob, you should know they rebuilt this offseason. Yeah. I think it's Colaire, the defensive line coach. Like they right. have like a legit defensive line. So yeah. they're coming in. They're going to run through there. I think that. Uh, I think game script might go against them a little bit too. I do think they're going to use use them here, but I think that this yeah. is a game that the Broncos are better than what people think. Mm-hmm. And I do think they're going to have to throw a little bit more with Daniel Jones. And I don't know how involved they're going to get Barkley into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Booker's going to have a bigger role than people think the first week. Like yeah. I do think that he's not necessarily going to be on a pitch count, but I think maybe game script, that injury, things that are going to be affected. Uh, to me, like in terms of where I'm at, I'm I'm flexing guys. Like this would be a flex play, which sucks because you draft them maybe early second. Some people draft them a little early. It kind of depends on where yeah. you in redraft. Right. Uh, but I, I'm nervous. I mean, but this is what you yeah. this is what you should have expected taking Barkley. Right. That's on you. Like I don't have yeah. Barkley on any rosters. Uh, I, I was surprised by this. I went through my rosters today to kind of because I I wanted to see if I had this decision to see who else I would start. But yeah. I don't have Barkley on one fantasy roster or, at all. So I have him in one league, and uh, it is my home league. So he fell to me at the 11th pick. All the backs were gone, and Travis Kelsey were gone. So it was either reach or just take that gamble. And at that spot, I took that gamble because I took Najee at the turn. So I feel good about Najee's high floor and just taking that risk on Barkley and hoping he's 100% healthy and weak you know, three or four, but just take that chance that, you know, he hits at least one or two plays in the first couple of weeks, even though he's on maybe a pitch count, you know, yeah. I'm just, I rolled the dice on that upside. 
And to be fair, if he's your running back too, you're okay. Start him. But if the right. guys maybe reach, got Kelsey and then Barkley, now we're talking about, okay, well, you might take a little bit of a hit this week. And we'll see how that, that health he goes. But to me, unless you felt you like where you had him as your running back too, um, yeah. I was out. And so I was just kind of how I stayed. Uh, yeah. Now, ne- next sign in here, our, our next sign up is um, Wayne Gallman signed in Atlanta. I know that you're you are hot, hot about this. Um, let's yeah. talk about Mike Davis because I think you either like Mike Davis or you think he's a scrub out there. I think yeah. that's kind of how the two categories fall. Does this Gallman kind of thing, first of all, how does it affect Mike for you? So – Mike Davis was always pushed down my rankings as like a lower end RB2 to like a solid flex play. He was never like a stone cold, oh, he's going to sneak up on people because I managed him last year once I lost Christian McCaffrey. So yes. so here are Mike Davis's stats from last year when he took over for CMC. Week three, he finished as the RB10. Week four, RB7. Week five, RB1. So he was lighting the world on fire for those first three weeks. But then... Week six game, he was RB19, which is solid. It's okay. And then week seven, RB35. Week eight, RB30. And then CMC came back in week nine, tore up the league, and then he got hurt again. And so Davis is reinserted. And from week 10 on, he averaged three and a half yards per carry. So I really think his body broke down after those three hot games, which I think has a very good chance of happening this season. I think he has... A great start to the season, which gives him a great sell-high moment. So think about that. If he finishes within the top 15 in the first three weeks, I would definitely think about selling high because Wayne Gallman has proven to be one of the better backups in this league. Like when Barkley went down in his second season, Gallman, he was a consistent low-end RB2 flex play for you the whole season. You know, like... He was solid. He's better than people give him credit for. And Atlanta was all too quick to cut their number two, Allison, in favor of Wayne Gallman, who is their mm-hmm. RB2. I know that people say, oh, well, Cordero Patterson is their RB2. No, if Mike Davis goes down or if he starts to stink it up, it's not Patterson who's going to be the workhorse. He's a gadget guy. So, Wayne Gallman is someone that I am keeping an eye on every single week. And if you have an empty bench spot, you know, we're going to talk about this later, but spoiler alert, I would definitely think about stashing him. You know, I think, I, I think that's okay. I, I I do think that all those points you made about what he did at the beginning of the week, remember he had a great scheme, dependent scheme in really? Carolina where it, that's, you know, they had the game script for CMC and he took that thing over. It's a completely different offense. Completely different thing. I think, I think Davis is fine. I do think he was getting overdrafted. And the biggest thing is like, you might, I know what you said about Patterson being kind of a gadget guy. Yeah. He's a gadget guy. That's going to get touches. I, and so when I was right. before even the Gallman thing that happened, I knew Patterson was going to get touches, and now go, now they're bringing Coleman, and he's a good runner. Like there are things about him that are are there. This is going to be much more committee than I think a lot of people want to admit. But at the yeah. same time, I think Patterson is going to play a role in that. But also on the flip side, game script wise, the Falcons' defense is bad again. Yeah. Like we're not, we're I don't think we're going to see a vast improvement early on. They're going to be throwing the hell out of the ball early. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, they're going to get Gallman, I think, more involved in that, Patterson in that. I don't think Davis is going to see the targets in the receiving game. So, like, now we're talking about, like, a totally different player, game script, offense issues. Like, I was out on Davis before. I don't have Davis either. Yeah. And that's all because it's just he's so volatile. I don't see exactly. – you're drafting him in his absolute ceiling. 
that's how you lose because I don't see him going any higher than that. Like mm-hmm. there's no way he's going to match that ceiling. I would almost guarantee he doesn't match his ADP, right. even where his ADP is at. Like to me, he's a running back three getting drafted yeah. as a high end running back too. Uh, yeah. But I do believe in Gallman. I do think there's something there with Gallman uh, and, and Patterson. But again, I do think that that backfield is, I don't want that backfield at all. No, like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the other thing. Like I'm not trying to get involved too much in all those different right. things there. Um, all right, we'll talk about this last one. I, I got I got yelled at by by Twitter on this because I just can't do this anymore. I cannot. Le'Veon Bell got signed by the Baltimore Ravens because, as we know, mm-hmm. Justice Hill got injured. J.K. Right. Dobbins, like we mentioned last week, got injured. They're out for the year, both of them. So that leaves them basically Tyson Williams and Gus Edwards there. They bring Le'Veon Bell and they sign him to the practice squad. And now people are dropping dudes for Le'Veon Bell. I saw somebody say, oh, this is how you win home leagues. You get him two days ago. Okay, Le'Veon Bell is not even Jets Le'Veon Bell anymore. And right. then someone said that the reason why CH didn't finish as a running back one last year was because of Le'Veon Bell. No, CH no. didn't finish as a running back one last year because of CH. It was because he got injured. He had he had problems with that backfield. Right. Le'Veon Bell did nothing. Le'Veon Bell was so upset with what the Chiefs did to him. He he blasted Andy Reid, who everybody loves. So uh, let's stop with saying that he did so good last year. I, and also, I believe like 20, 25 targets is all really running backs are going to see in that offense anyway. Mm-hmm. In that Lamar Jackson offense, like e- even if you wanted to talk yourself into Le'Veon Bell, I, people are talking like he's still a running back three. What the hell is happening? Jason? <laughs> Tell me, what is wrong with people? No, I uh, I am definitely not on the camp of adding Bell. I actually got a few text messages asking, do I, do I pick up <laughs> Bell here? And I said, no, <laughs> no, I am not. I am not excited I am not excited about Le'Veon Bell. He's 29 years old. Like you said, on the Jets, he was 27, who just had a year off, so fresh legs, and he looked done. He looked cooked. And now he's on a Ravens offense who, you know, even if he gets called up, he's going to be their third back. He's just going to be like emergency death because this is Gus Edwards' backfield, Lamar Jackson's backfield, and Tyson yes. Williams' backfield. Like, like... Tyson Williams has proven has proven himself in the preseason to be a solid RB2 in that in that offense. So Bell isn't scaring me away from where I'm drafting Edwards or Tyson Williams as like a flyer. I'm not adding Bell anywhere. You know, if you want to keep him on your watch list, you know, that's okay, but you know, I uh I have no hope for him. If Bell was the only person in that backfield, he would still not be anything more than like a running back three. I get, I, I, that, yeah. he's not talented anymore. He's not the same guy that he was no. in, in the in Pittsburgh. So like I just hear that and it just like why would they? And I saw someone say that Tyson Williams isn't as talented as Le'Veon Bell. I would argue that he could be now. Like right. we're not talking about Bell from the past. Like and his run style is different. Tyson Williams is in that system. Yeah. I'm gonna take a shot in there. This doesn't scare me. Gus Edwards is gonna be the guy, and they're gonna they're gonna run him. And I I'm higher on Gus than most, but I have a mm-hmm. hard time seeing Le'Veon Bell making any type of impact, barring God foreseen injuries from everybody, and then him scoring like massive amount of touchdowns. Exactly. All right, let's let's move on before I before I lose it and I get <laughs> mad at everybody about this. Uh, we definitely want to kind of go through right. some strategy with you guys, uh, and that's one thing we talked about pre-show, and we talked about kind of you know what do we want to kind of get to our listeners and stuff because we know not everybody's degenerates like us, and I do know that like lineup problems setting them up. I already see people like oh I'm tilting on my lineups, and like so there are some there are some things out there like this. Uh, 
you know, for me, and I'm kind of going to go through our thoughts about week one. I think how you set your lineups changes for how the season goes. That should be, that should be, you know, said and done. Everybody knows right. that. Number one thing I always stand by is starting your studs. Uh, and this goes for me, I know for others, it changes as the season goes. But for me, realistically, like I start my guys. Like last mm-hmm. year in the playoffs, I ha- I'm, I'm a known, sa- I had Miles Sanders on the league. Uh, and I believe Mixon was hurt. And our, our boy Bernard, G- Giovanni Bernard was was playing. Gio. And and I said, hey, you start Miles Sanders. And I know that he had a bad year, but I said, he's your stud. You do not want to get knocked out in the playoffs by starting Geo and get right. you two points when Sanders goes off on your bench. Like, that's not what you do. And I got a lot of pushback from that. I got people, you know, whatever. And then what happened? Miles Sanders had that one run, and he ended up having over 100 yards. And two, I think it was two touchdowns or touchdown game. And yeah. then Giovanni Bernard had, like, 2.1 fantasy points that week. And right. it just kind of reaffirmed. You start your damn studs. Like these are the best players in the league for a reason. Yeah, sometimes it might not work out, but to me, it's that. Trust your instincts. Like you can ask me and Jacob for advice, but like we all know who we're going to start. Like mm-hmm. it might tilt one way or the other, and that's what we're kind of here for. Yeah. But trust your instincts. And then, like the biggest thing for me is I don't check uh, the scores constantly. So like that can kind of warp my mind. I used to do it a lot. I'd be checking every score for like, you know, the whole time. I realistically, I I set them in the morning on Sunday. I set them previously, but usually Sunday morning, I set them and fix them all. And then I just watch the games and I don't check until Sunday night, unless I have like an injury thing I got to look at, or like if I'm plugging and playing some guys and I usually don't check until the Sunday night game. And then that's it. And then to me, Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I kind of, because at that point, nothing's going to get affected. I know kind of, and the other thing is I'm in so many leagues that I could have Lockett in like four leagues, but I'm playing against them in three. So yeah. it really doesn't necessarily matter in terms of like individual players, but yeah. I try not to check it because it gets crazy. I just want to enjoy the red zone and enjoy my Cowboys losing. Like just let me enjoy that stuff. So to me, those are kind of my strategies uh, that I like to implement. Yeah, absolutely, man. I agree. Don't bench your studs in week one. I respect Anyone looking to play, you know, like the specific matchups in week one, but just roll with your studs until they give you reason not to. You know, I got a question today asking if they should bench Deontay Johnson in favor of Antonio Brown. Now, Deontay Johnson is facing the Buffalo Bills, so he's going to draw Trey White. You know, that's a very tough matchup. Antonio Brown is facing the Dallas Cowboys whom you just said, Kevin, is going to be a shootout, and I agree with you. But this is week one. You drafted Deontay that early for a reason. He's either your wide receiver one if you went, you know, zero wide receiver, or he's he is your wide receiver two, who yeah. is in for uh, a fantastic year. Uh, so you start Deontay Johnson until he gives you reason not to. Uh, now, coincidentally... The Buccaneers just just sent out an injury report that said Chris Godwin has a quadriceps issue. That is something to monitor, but I think that is just being very cautious because the game is in is in two days. So, but that is something to monitor. If Chris Godwin misses, then AB becomes a wide receiver two option in a shootout then I would start him over Deontay Johnson because Deontay Johnson has that tough matchup. But only if that happens. If Chris Godwin is 100% and playing, then you're starting your stud, Deontay Johnson, over Antonio Brown. You are playing your studs in week one. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I do think too. Um, there was some. There was a point I was trying to make that you made too. So that I'm glad you did. Like Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver one in his team. Like Juju right. Claypool, people, you can say whatever you want. When you yeah. get to that point where you're looking at An- Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown's wide receiver three. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, and you're looking at that perspective. Like to me, if I'm between guys, I look at okay, target share. What do I think they're going to do that day? Even if they have the best corner, we're talking about NFL guys that can separate themselves. And if you right. drafted Deontay as your wide receiver two, you're going to take Deontay over a- a- Antonio Brown. And will mm-hmm. that burn you? Sometimes, maybe. Mm-hmm. But the numbers say, and I'm not an analytics guy, but I know the numbers say you're going to have a higher percentage of win rates with Deontay Johnson in your lineup than Antonio Brown. Uh, and that is just how I do it. Now, if Godwin's out, now Antonio Brown make, maybe looks more intriguing, right? right? Like, So I always look at it like I do tiers just like I do tiers on on drafting. I look at the tiers yeah. and say, okay, well, I know Deontay's my wide receiver one. Do I want to get cute and start, you know, Antonio, like you mentioned, or, you know, or Michael Gallup or any of these guys that like are lower tiers, mm-hmm. it would have, to, it would, t- it would take a lot for me to do that. Like, it's going to take like, and usually it's a quarterback injury, not necessarily anything to do with wide receivers. It'd have right. to be like, I think one year, but even one year, I remember, do you remember David Blau from the Lions and he started the Thanksgiving day? I sure and, do. <laughs> and everybody sat Galladay. I started him, and he had three catches for that touchdown at like 76 yep. yards or whatever. I started Galladay because, in reality, I looked at it like, oh, shit, I don't have anybody else. Like, and I looked at my roster, and I'm like, I don't really want to gamble. And I started him, and not a lot of people did, but that actually helped me because because I started him, it helped me in that league. Right. So, like, you got to take risks sometimes, but I always look at tiers and say, okay, if he's my wide receiver one, then you know what? I'm going to take that. If he's the option on that team, number one option, I, I, the, the, the percentages just work out in your favor. 100%. All right. And any other lineup strategies you got for the first week? I know like start sits are everywhere, stuff like that, but anything else? That is it, my friend. I know we have some quarterback streamers coming our way, but that's later. So that is it. Start your studs. (laughs) The Jacob special quarterback streamers. Everybody comes here for it. We're going to get to that. But before we do that, let's talk about uh, waiver wire watches that we can kind of start, you know, everybody, you know, in in terms of this is redraft. And I have I I did, you know, there are some guys that I think that you can add dynasty. We'll start doing that in a few weeks um, or guys that you maybe go after stashes like that. But who are we're going to go back and forth here. I think that would be better. So, uh, Jacob, give me one waiver wire guy that you think that you should be watching into next week. So I love Kenneth Gainwell, running back out of Philadelphia. Uh, you know, he is someone that I want at the end of all of my fantasy benches and whom I do have on all on all of my fantasy benches just for that upside. Uh, you know, the 22 year olds playmaker ability has been on full display throughout the whole preseason you know he's averaging over five yards a carry he's been he's been heavy into the receiving game which is something that Miles Sanders has been struggling with and still continues to struggle with drops so Gainwell could easily see all of the third down duties yeah early and if the Eagles are losing to the Falcons or you know like then Kenneth Gainwell is going to be that pass catching back for you. So I can easily see him having like a five catch for 74 yard day and a possible touchdown because he has that upside. He has that team. He has that speed. Uh, so he's someone that I am watching, if not adding at the end of every bench. And he is virtually unmanaged in so many leagues, like in uh, on NFL.com. He's only av- he's only managed in 13 percent uh, in Yahoo. He's like somewhere in the low teens on sleeper. He's somewhere in the 20s. Like he can be had if you have that 
empty space or if someone just got hurt and you need to fill in that space, just take a shot on them. Yeah, I, I see. This is I, I got to add my stuff before you because I wanted to put Gainwell down on mine. So that, that, that that's a perfect one because <laughs> – yeah. In PPR, he's gonna get that receiving work. Howard being gone, like the really right. Boston Scott's there, but you know, I think Gainwell's a new guy there, and he right. has that value because I think he can run. So I think that's great, and and roster ability, especially the running back position. We're talking about this, and and we both know Miles Sanders. He's so who knows? Is that right. there is a question mark there? Uh, now, one of my guys is Gerald Everett, tied in from the Seahawks. Uh, and again, this is a kind of I went kind of high, and I'm gonna go low based on rostered. Uh, you know, he's about half, I'd say 50% basically rostered around leagues right now. If you went zero tight in like me a lot, you probably had him just because, you know, I didn't go zero tight in, but if you waited, especially yeah. in redraft, he was an option. I still think that he, you know, he, he's definitely an option down there. Um, especially in, in smaller leagues, like 15 roster size, which I play in a couple of those, he's still there. He's on my, I see him out there on my waiver wire. We can see this first week. If, if he gets targeted in that Seattle offense, if he can get to that, it'd be that third guy where maybe he gets a touchdown and stuff. I think he's yeah. worth an ad depending on your roster size and what you have. Um, I'm looking at streaming him a lot in leagues that I have Waller and those guys, and maybe mm-hmm. you jump on it early, get him early, and then you don't have to worry about the position. Yeah. Uh, so Jared Everett's one of my guys to just kind of keep an eye on, see how they use him in that Seattle offense and see if he's going to get the target share. I really like that pick just because the Rams old OC just went to Seattle and mm-hmm. handpicked Gerald Everett. So there is a specific plan for him. So I really like that stash, Kevin. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, again, that's a, that, that's a bigger stash. People don't understand that, but um, yeah. I do like that. Uh, who, who's your next guy? So uh, it's a guy who I talked about at length earlier here, Wayne Gallman. I would definitely stash him, especially if you do have Mike Davis. I would think about, you know, I would think about having that insurance policy if you have a big enough bench. If you only have like five or four spots, don't worry about it. Just put him on your watch list because no one's adding him. Uh, but but just be ready to pounce just in case Atlanta has a bigger plan for him than than we initially thought. And he definitely could. Like you said, Kevin, this could just be an RBBC, a running back by committee that we just want to avoid. But still, Mike Davis showed us last year he can't last the whole year. And Wayne Gallman has been a solid backup and is younger. Uh, so I like him as an ad for sure. Um, who's yeah. next up on your list, Kevin? And this is actually a uh, a dynasty kind of talk to, you know, Zach Ertz is only rostered in 33% of leagues, but he's a starting tight end on the Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. Uh, and, I, and I don't know if anybody noticed, but Dallas Goddard, uh, Goddard came out today, his agent, and they said, oh, I thought we'd have an extension already, but I'm focusing on other things now. Let's just uh-huh. focus on winning. Uh, and you know what? We talked about this before. Like, Zach Ertz was a definite buy for me, like, late in the season. You can get him in the 20th round. You know, he's only 30. He put up top, I think, eight numbers at tight end position the last five years before last year. Like he's a legit, he's a legit tight end option that's going to be able to get the targets on offense. And I think that in Dynasty, he's a sneaky guy to have for the next year or two. Like I think that he's going to be putting up those numbers that you see now, depending on where you drafted him. I know last year if you drafted him, you, you know, you're not going to get that value back. But this year I thought he was good. 33%, 33% rostered. He's a good streaming tight end as well. I believe he's going around tight end 21, 22, 23. So he's out yeah. there. Um, and that would be another option to see kind of how they use them in this new offense with Hurts. Absolutely. It wasn't just two years ago. He was being compared to Travis Kelsey as like the top yeah. tight end. You know, like in 2018, he had 116 catches for almost 12, for almost 
1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. And then in 2019, he had 88 catches for 916 yards and six yeah. touchdowns. So, I mean, there is talent there. He's only 30. Uh, so from that perspective, he still has some gas in the tank. And Jalen Hurts needs reliable targets. So I love that call as well, Kevin. And you can't tell me that he fell off that much. Like no. someone doesn't just fall off that. Like he still has stuff in the tank. Like you cannot okay. tell me that a guy like him, I think he dealt with injuries last year, some other things, Carson Wentz, all issues. So uh, he's available there. All right, give us your last one. All right. My last one is Nelson Aguilar. He is virtually unmanaged in all leagues. I mean, you know, like somewhere in the teens, low twenties to like the single digits in some leagues. Uh, and, He's someone I'm watching closely heading into week one. All the rage has been to add Jacoby Myers since Mac Jones was named the starter. And I don't disagree with that. But Aguilar is a guy that is coming off a career resurgence in in Las Vegas and finished with eight touchdowns on only 82 targets, five of 40 plus yards and 18.7 yards per catch. So he had an incredible year last year and Aguilar's performance was enough for Bill Belichick to sign him to a two-year, $26 million deal. Uh, and he should also be one of Mac Jones's number one targets right next to Jacoby Myers. Yes, I know they signed you know, Kendrick Bourne and Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, but keep your eye on Aguilar and just to see how he does in week one against a tough Dolphins defense. Yeah, I, it's funny you put Aguilar down because then I put Jacoby Myers down. Um, sure. I, we might have to have a show bet to see which one of these guys is going to finish higher than the I'm other because <laughs> I know we did our mock draft and you were like, I can't believe you picked Myers over Aguilar. And so like, uh-huh. I, and then I realized we had a thing there. So I, I do think both those guys are going to play a little bit more of a solid role. I like Jacoby right now because essentially he's going about – he's basically available 90% of leagues. Uh, with Mac Jones, it changes everything. Mac Jones coming there changes yeah. everything in terms of like the fantasy production here. You know, last year we saw, you know, Myers after week six, we saw a real dominant run and he got 81. He had 81 targets last year, but he had 80 after week six. So if you really look at those numbers, realistically, you could have seen him having over a hundred targets last year. Now I know they didn't have Aguilar. There's some Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry. I, I get all that, but let's say his floor is what or his ceiling is kind of what he got let's say he gets 80 targets 700 yards let's say he adds like you know an actual touchdown to his resume so let's say he gets like four touchdowns (laughs) yeah then you're looking at okay this kid can be there i I don't think kendrick Bourne is has any run with these guys so i agree with you and the algalar there Uh, i saw someone mention kendrick Bourne being better jacoby myers you need to stop it he's not silly as someone who watched Kendrick Bourne play, because I have him in a 16-team league, and I had to start him last year because of injuries, Oof. he's inconsistent. He doesn't have the same skill set out of the slot that Jacoby Myers does. And I do think that Mac and Jacoby's skill set, really they really, really pair well together. With how he works, his route running and his timing, compared to what Mac Jones does well, which is timing, knowing where his guys are going to be, that offense is going to be set up for him. Like I think Jacoby's that safe blanket for him. Like Aguilar, I think is the big play. Hey, let's hit these deep shots yeah. and find them. I think Jacoby's the safe outlet, and that's why I tend to kind of gravitate towards those guys. Uh, and and I think Myers is a. I think you should add Myers. I think he you add him now, and you try to maybe get him before all these things kind of run out. I respect that. I'm just down to figure out what bet we should have because I am, uh, I am, because I am all on the Aguilar train just because Bill Belichick handpicked him and paid him, you know? So 
I'm excited to see what they do, but I know that both these guys are going to eat. I know it's a run first offense, but with Mac Jones there and with Bill, he wants to make it back into the playoffs. They're going to throw and they have to throw to both these guys. So I'm excited. I'm excited for a bet. I'm excited to see what happens in new England to see if they can turn it around. Yeah, no, I, it, it, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I, I, I like to win bets. We'll see. I have a couple of bets running around right now with some guys, right. uh, but we'll see how this goes. And then the last one I just want to mention very quick because he's only 1% rostered, Paris Campbell. <laughs> Stop hating my boy Paris Campbell. T.Y. Hilton yeah. is hurt. And Paris Campbell could be there, uh, you know, True. with that offense, what, what we see there, we can see that. I know I like Pascal, so I do think that he's going to get a little bit of run there. Pittman as well. But again, Paris Campbell fits that same Jacoby Myers role. I know people are off of Paris Campbell because he's injured. I understand that. I, I get the point. But he's a nice flex play sometimes if you need it. He's not someone that's startable every week. I understand that. But he could be, could be, he could become that flex guy that you kind of, you can rely on getting eight targets, those type of areas. I'm, I, I believe in Paris. I, I still do. This is it, though. This is the last year you're going to hurt me, Paris, because then I'm out. Like, I'll be out like I'm out on these other guys. But I do think that he deserves one more year. Yeah, man. I always think back to week one last year. He had nine targets in that game, you know, yes. and had and had a great game before tearing that MCL. So, I mean, he, he has potential. Uh, and like you said, you made a fantastic point. T.Y. Hilton, he's out for at least a few weeks with – a neck issue, it wouldn't surprise me if he's out the whole season. So, you know, yes, there is uh, there is Pascal, who I can definitely see having like a five catch for like 70-yard game. He could, he could probably be who you want Paris to be, but Paris could easily take on that role as well. So yeah. I agree. I am watching closely if Pittman steps up, if Paris steps up, like who's going to step up for the Colts? So, you know, and you're putting your money on Paris and he is not managed anywhere. <laughs> so. well, let, let, yeah, I'm putting my 1% money. Like I'm not putting right. like a lot of money. I'm putting right. a $1 fab. Okay. <laughs> let's see if he can take a shot. We're at the roulette table right now and we're just yeah. rolling the dice. Um, or excuse me, we're just putting the ball out. We're hoping it falls on black and it goes to player Paris Campbell. That's kind of, you know, right. when I go to the casino, I, I will put half my money on the roulettes. And I go red or black, and I just roll. And that's just kind of how we do it. All on black. Let's do it. All on black. We go down and go there. So those are some guys <laughs> to keep an eye on uh, and look at. And we definitely want to do a next segment, and it's a quicker one. But guys that we think are going to have a good year, um, and I'm talking about a couple of these guys later, but guys that we have a good year that we, we really wish we had more shares of. Yeah. Uh, and we'll go back and forth. But my first guy is Nick Chubb. I really believe that Nick Chubb is going to win the rushing title this year. And I actually, on a show this weekend, I did for fantasy points uh, with my buddy Nick from PCW. Uh, you know, let's we go. had to do like who would finish outside, who could finish running back one that's outside the top four guys. I picked Nick Chubb, even in like PPR that. formats, because I think that he could have a Derrick Henry like year where he's getting those rushing touchdowns and the yardage where he's getting 1,600 yards rushing. He's the best pure runner in the NFL. He sees his numbers. His averages are the top three in the last four years of being, you know, average per contact and yards per contact, all that. Mm -hmm. He got his extension. Get, I wish I had more shares in Nick because I think Nick Chubb is going to just eat, even if Hunt's there. I don't care. He can be a running back one, and I just wish I had him on more of my rosters. Last season, Chubb got over 1,000 yards and 12, and 12, and 12 touchdowns in just 12 games. I mean, yeah. if he plays even 16 games, I mean – he could be right up there with Derrick Henry for, for the title. And, I mean, 12 to 14 touchdowns, he can maybe even get 15 touchdowns. I could see that easily, Kevin. 
Yep. Right. And I don't have him enough. I only have him in a few leagues. But Chubb, right. if if I have you in a couple leagues, you know, I have him in a couple 14 team leagues, and I'm excited about that because I think he's going to be at a positional advantage this year. Yeah. And if there's any chance of you getting Chubb, I think this would be a good time to get him. I love it. Uh, the first player that I have who I wish I had more shares of is Travis Kelsey. I know this is an obvious choice, but <laughs> after struggling to stream tight ends last year, I wanted to I I wanted to draft Kelsey in every single league so that I could just set it and forget it and just have that positional advantage in every single league. I was only successful in one out of my four redraft leagues just because I either had too high of a pick where it would have just been, you know, like it would have been silly to draft him over guys like Zeke and CMC. It's like, no, I'm going to draft uh, a stud RB or I had too late of a pick like pick 11 or 12. So I only got that sweet spot at like pick number seven where all the top notch running backs were gone. And it's like, all right, I'm going with Kelsey. And I loved it. I love that pick. I love how my team looks afterwards. Uh, I wish I had more shares of him because he's going to eat and make fantasy managers very happy this season. Yeah, no, he is. Um, The the thing with me is like, how long is he going to last? You know, we talk about like dynasty perspectives, like where's that value? That's going to be an interesting thing to watch because you both know that tight end, fantasy value just it disappears quickly uh especially with that in dynasty and so you know is pitt's gonna be that god now he's gonna take over and be the tight end one for the next 10 years um all right the next guy for me i wish i had more shares of is deontay johnson big believer in his talent we kind of mentioned him earlier about why you know you got to take him if you got to start him i think that he's gonna have one of those years that we're like wow you know i put him down as you know he could finish in the top 12 sleeper uh i had him as my dynasty wide receiver 12 before like in february and I know that his value has shot down a little bit for some people, but I just love his system, the getting the ball out quick. Even Najee Harris being there, I still think they're going to use him. He's going to get out targeted or he's going to get targeted there. Um, Deontay's just a guy that I like watching him play too. Like when you, I enjoy rooting for the players on my team. I know that sounds stupid, but <laughs> I just, I like watching him play football. And I yeah. think that he has that ability and he's going to get the touchdowns on the targets that you like to see. And I think he's going to be coming alpha. And we're mm-hmm. going to start talking about Deontay Johnson being an alpha wide receiver. No, man, Deontay is, is very fun to watch. He's smooth. Um, and, you know, in his last preseason game, he only had a, one target but it went for 43 yards. So he does have that big play upside as well. So I like that a lot. I don't, I don't have any shares of him, but I wish I did as well. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you know, he, he's that guy to me. Like, I think that yeah. he has that value. Uh, and you know what, like you said, I think he has a big playability, but he also can do all the other little things and get the, right. and get the reception. So like in PPR, right. he's a, he's everything that we want. Like right. he's Tyreek Hill, just, different but he still has that ability to get those big playabilities 50 yard touchdowns right. and then he can also get eight targets for you know air yards of like 25 but he still gets mm-hmm. you the reception so right. that's kind of what i'm looking at i love that kevin yeah and for my last guy i wish i had more shares of javante williams you all know i have an affinity for williams and at this point but hearing the broncos coach vic fangio expressing confidence in javante saying quote we're not at all against playing him in any situation and any time of the game. I love that. Any situation, any time yeah. of the game. This just reinforces how much value Williams is going to have this season. He looked fantastic in the preseason while Melvin was hurt. 
so I expect him to get at least 10 to 12 touches in week one and just gradually eat into Melvin's workload until he's completely taken over this Denver backfield. Uh, and, you know, as I predicted in an earlier show, I predict that he's going to just be the RB1 of this offense by week six. And then from then on for fantasy managers, he'll be an RB1 or two the rest of season. I only secured... Javante services in one league because in most of my drafts, I was going RB heavy early on where I didn't need a fourth running back by round five or six. So, you know, I, I didn't reach for him because I needed those wide outs and possibly like a tight end to take a shot on like TJ Hawkinson or Mark Andrews, uh, you know, but I wish I had him in more leagues because I know he's going to be a fantasy league winner for you. So if he starts out slow by some chance, I'd be looking to trade for him everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. And I think yeah. that I do understand like Melvin Gordon is there and stuff, but you know, I think by weeks five, six, seven, like you kind of mentioned, yeah. you talked about, I think that, He's going to be that guy in that offense. And I think that you know, if you just drafted Justin Fields. Um, all right. So let's move yeah. on. I don't want to bring that up to you again. Uh, oh, come on. So <laughs> Jacob's going to be grabbing a and doing a segment for us every week because he's a big on QB streamers. Top five mm-hmm. at Fantasy Pros. Yeah. Uh, he knows what he's doing with QB streamers, except for the, especially those that you do like to stream quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going to give a couple a couple this week. Uh, so I'll let him take this away because I'm terrible at this. That's why I just draft all the good quarterbacks early so I don't have to worry about this. So, uh, Jacob, who are you guys that you could be streaming this, this week at the quarterback position? Oh, man, I am so pumped for this segment, Kevin. I'm so excited, guys. All right. So my first guy here. He is managed in 15% of Yahoo leagues, 27% of sleeper leagues, and 3.2% of NFL.com leagues. And that's Sam Darnold, your boy, Kevin. That's right. All right. He, is, he is set up for success in week one. First off, he's at home against a New York Jets team who allowed a fourth worst 275.6 passing yards per game last season. Second, he has CMC, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Terrace Marshall Jr., who has looked stellar this whole preseason. Darnold is not only going to provide high-end quarterback two numbers in week one, but he's slowly creeping up my overall rankings board and has a new home inside my top 20. I believe he's at quarterback 19 right now. I believe that he has too many weapons, too many elite weapons around him to fail. And, you know, he's in a much better offense, a new scenery. I love it for Darnold. So I think he's going to have a smash week one where he's going to be added everywhere after this week. Um, and then my number two option is managed in a lot more leagues, but I still like his matchup. I like his offensive weapons and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is at home versus the Los Angeles chargers. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, he's going to make his, his football team debut at home against a very good chargers offense. You know, even though the football team has a stellar defense, Justin Herbert is still going to get his and put some points up on the board. You know, he has Eckler and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Josh Palmer himself. So he's going to score, which is going to force Fitz, uh, which is going to force Fitz magic to throw the ball all around to his studs, Antonio Gibson and scary Terry. So to me, Fitzpatrick is a very safe start with high end quarterback two upside. Okay. Uh, now I have a question about Darnold real quick. And right. this is, this is me personally, uh, I'm invested in this. What? And now this is just Darnold though. Do you, would you start Terrace Marshall this week? I'm not starting Terrace Marshall. I would rather take a wait and see approach on that. You know, like he does have that. He does have that ability 
but I, I still think it's going to be the DJ Moore and Robbie show with Terrace coming in, maybe getting like three to four grabs, you know, like maybe for like 50 yards. So if that's enticing, I would go for it, uh, you know, as like your second flex or like your wide receiver three, just to be like, ah, oh, let's take a shot. But I would rather just take a wait and see approach and just know that if Robbie gets hurt, then Terrace is going to eat. Uh, but until that happens, a wide receiver three, well, actually, I would say he's probably the fourth option behind CMC and DJ Moore yeah. and Robbie Anderson. So I would bench him for this week. Now, forgive me if he gets two catches for like 150 yards, just has like two bomb plays, which can happen. Uh, so if you do need that like last ditch DM, not a bad play for sure, because the Jets, like I said, allowed a ton of passing yards last year. Uh, but in season long leagues, I would, I would, I would just take a wait and see approach. Okay. All right. I want to see where you were at. I figured okay. you're a floor guy. Yeah. You know, I know you're safe, but I, I do, <laughs> I am intrigued by Marshall. Like I do yeah. think that Marshall, you know, this week, you know, he could be that guy that screws over DJ Moore owners and he has a touchdown or two. He kind of, sure. he, he steals those, uh, but I like those picks. I hope Donald destroys the jets just Same. because, well, as much as I like the jets now, I didn't like them before. So hopefully Donald has that comeback. Uh, revenge right, game too. Yeah. Revenge game. Always Absolutely. start the revenge guys. Always start the revenge guys. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's get into a couple of the different ones. I wanted to definitely going to wrap it up with our guy and our far reputation. And so what we wanted to kind of do is, is say definitively, this is our guy. Now, I wanted to go a little bit off the board. Everybody knows I'm a Swift guy, but, you know, I've been talking about him too much on the show. Uh, so for me, my guy for our reputation, a guy that I think is going to finish over or at ADP that I believe that is going to actually surprise people this year is my guy, Josh Jacobs, who has just been getting crapped on. All offseason. This poor guy, I saw him going like the sixth round of a super flex redraft league recently. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, his ADB is running back 20. But to be quite honest with you, like I've seen him drop below that. I saw Gus Edwards get drafted ahead of him. I've seen mm-hmm. Chase Edmonds get drafted ahead of him. You know what? I'm on Josh Jacobs. I think Josh Jacobs is going to be able to finish at his running back 20, his ADP and what he has to do. Like, I, I, I believe that. I believe that he's going to be a solid running back two on a lot of championship teams this year. I love that. I got him in the fifth round uh, in one of my leagues. He is my flex play. He's my third back. So I was thrilled to see him. I got two stud wideouts and two stud RBs, and then he is my flex. And he's one of the safest backs you can get. And you know I'm all about I'm all about that safety. And I think that he can rush well over 1,100 yards, get 10-plus touchdowns. I mean, I like his outlook as well, Kevin. Yeah, no, I know. Hey, I, you know, but why do people hate him so much? I don't. Is it because of Drake? Is it because of the Raiders' offense? And it's the hundred percent. Yeah, it's a hundred percent because of Drake. Uh, and I don't know why people are afraid of Drake. I know that Drake's gonna have some sort of role, but the Raiders are desperate to sign any running back they can. You know, like so, like I don't think they are super invested in Drake. I think he might steal some. He might steal some goal line carries, but yeah, it's Josh Jacobs' backfield, man. Like you yeah. said, Kevin, don't overthink fantasy. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, I think Love people it. are just getting cute. I think people are getting cute yeah. with Josh Jacobs. Like, he's a running back, too. And now he's even better value. And people are still like, oh, why are you drafting him? You can't just be completely out on Josh Jacobs. Like, I right. do think that he has a role. And I'm going to laugh. Now, I'm not going to say that he's going to do this. But if he finishes ahead of CEH, I am gonna, I am gonna, I'm gonna light Twitter on fire. I am just going to be like, hmm, oh, that's interesting. But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead, Jacob. What do you got? What's funny, Kevin, is that I can easily see that happening, you know, just yeah. because he is so safe and CH is a volatile option. It's just that he, ha- he has upside for days, but Josh Jacobs has a much safer floor. So, um, 
Dang. <laughs> okay, so uh, my pick here is a little bit safer. Uh, he, I feel like he's been hyped up by everyone and their mom. Uh, but I am just, when I was looking down the list, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to go with Javante Williams. Or I'm going to say that Joe Mixon is going to land outside the top 20 for the season. Like, But I didn't want to be negative. So I went with our boy C.D. Lamb. The six foot two, 189 pounder. He was Dak's favorite target to begin last season, and that was without a proper offseason. That's crazy. Now, imagine what Dak and Lamb can do with actual chemistry. I am yeah. all in on Lamb as a top 10 wideout this season with wide receiver one overall upside. You know, he, man, he's tall, he's smooth, he runs like he runs routes. It like he is such a polished route runner. It's insane. Like he's very underrated and he's just an alpha out there. I mean, we all watch hard knocks in the first few episodes and like in all these highlights, he just, man, he, he is just too good to fail. He is not finishing outside the top 10. I will stake my reputation on that. My rep, my projections are 101 catches for 1,380 yards and eight touchdowns. I like that. Hey, as yeah. a Cowboy fan, I want to see that. Like, that's kind of what I'm doing. But I do. I, I'm a big CD guy. You know that. I just think that he's going he's gonna to be the wide receiver one this year. Uh, yes. I know Amari's there, and I know that. But CD's going to be the guy to own or the roster, and I think that's there. So there's our, our guys for reputation. You guys remember this. They're listening. Josh Jacobs, CD Lamb. Josh Let's Jacobs go. and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, all right, wrap, let's wrap this thing up, and we're going to go award winners, guys that we think. We're going to make some predictions here. Uh, MVP, who do you got, Jacob? All right, MVP. I am rolling with Russell Wilson, and he's at oh, plus okay. 2,000. So, you know, I see, I see a consistently elite season from Russ, which is saying a lot because he usually starts off hot. He's He is ahead of everyone's mvp list to start and then he tails off at the end that's sort of his mo but i believe you know i believe that the seahawks defense is not that good and i believe that he is going to pass more than pete carroll wants to pete carroll wants to run the air out of that ball but i think that russ is going to have to cook he's going to have to chuck it all around to metcalf to lock it uh and even to your boy gerald everett whom you called earlier as a waiver wire stash uh so i'm going with Russell Wilson, and I love that price at plus 2000 How about you, Kevin? All right. Hey, I like it a little. I, I thought I was going to have the highest uh, uh, pl- oh, you know, plus, but I did not. So, you know, oh I know it's going to sound as a homer pick for everybody out there, but I'm going Dak. Dak Prescott, not his comeback award winner, which he should win that too. Yeah. I'm going him as an MVP. If he can lead Dallas in NFC East title after what we saw with Dallas was last year without a quarterback, and they make the playoffs. Let's say they get a bye. He puts up the numbers that I expect him to put. Let's say he finishes in that 4,500 to 5,000 range, the touchdowns that he has. And he can lead Dallas to a divisional round, like a, a playoff, or at least, you know, win the NFC East. I think Dak at plus yeah. 1,600 could win the MVP. I love that. And also, you did what I did. I picked a quarterback with an awful defense. And yeah. Dak Prescott has an awful defense, you know? So like we have Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. Now I believe that the smarter money, probably like the safer money is to go with, you know, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Patrick Mahomes, but they all have a decent defense, you know? Well, actually Brady has a stellar defense and Matthew Stafford has an incredible defense. So I don't see them putting up MVP numbers. 
Brady could, uh, but you know, we're both picking guys, Dak, Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson, who don't have a great defense, who are going to have to throw to keep their team in in the games. And if they both win their respective division, then they should be battling for the MVP one, two all year. Yeah. And, you know, did you think about taking a running back wide receiver at all? It was hard for me because, like, this is a quarterback award now, right? right? Like, it's so hard to take the other guys because of injury concerns and all that. Like, I feel like quarterback's the safest bet. It really is. Unfortunately, like, sometimes there are some backs who are deserving of that, but it's a quarterback award, like you said, Kevin. I know. Ah, we should just name it something else. All right, rushing right. title. Who do you got as a rushing title? Who do you think? All right, so I haven't so I have a boring answer here, but I'm going with Derrick Henry. I think he has one more season as an elite rushing yards title guy. I think this is his last season. He's going to uh he's going to bully, he's going to stiff arm his way into another rushing title. Now I'm not gonna give away your pick, but I believe that your pick is gonna be right behind this guy. Yeah, so my Russian title, I already kind of mentioned earlier, Nick Chubb, uh, plus 850. Yeah. I think that he could re- realistically win the Russian title this year. I think those are great odds to have, uh, and I would take that. Based on everything I talked about with Chubb earlier, uh, he's that guy for me to where I think that the Browns are going to rely on him in Stefanski's offense. They're going to lean on him. He could have 1,600 yards. I really think that he yeah. could have one of those years that were like, wow, Nick Chubb's the best running back in the in the country. And I, and, and then in Dynasty, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trade him. And that's just how that works. But yeah, go. I'm going to wait till he wait, wait till the end of the year. But that's rushing title for me is where it's at. Uh, then we want to go through really quick offensive and defensive rookie. So uh, who is your offensive rookie that you put down? So I am going with Najee Harris. I think he has so much opportunity that it's going to be hard for him to fail. And I just wrote an article recently for fantasy pro saying that He's going to that my bold prediction is that he's going to be a top five fantasy back just because he is their preferred pass catching back as well. You know, I can see him easily having over twelve hundred rushing yards, over four hundred receiving yards with, you know, twelve to fourteen total touchdowns. Like, I think he's going to have a stellar year. I know that the Steelers offensive line isn't great on paper, but I think that Mike Tomlin put together a decent line and the Steelers have such a rich history of having a good offensive line. I don't think they can have a terrible one two years in a row. I think they'll be just fine. They will They will create enough lanes for Najee to get through because Najee is fast and he is elusive. He finds the holes, uh, you know, and like I said earlier, he rushes and, and he catches. So even if the Steelers are in a negative game script, it's not going to matter for Najee. He's always going to be in the game. So uh, I... Najee Harris is my pick for offensive rookie of the year. I like that. Um, I'm going to keep mine a little bit more simple. I went a little off the board here, but I went Kyle Pitts because if Kyle Pitts gets the level of usage that he's going to get targets and all that stuff in that offense at plus 1100, those are amazing odds. Now I'm going to put a money, a lot of money on this, but if he can, if he can kind of get what we think of his target share, what's going to be in that Falcons offense that throws a ton him and Ridley, he's essentially the wide receiver too. everything that you heard. And if he lives up to the hype, I think a lot of guys will vote for him. Like, I think that there is hype about him, what he does. If he has one of the best seasons of a tight end ever, now we're talking about like people just voting for the the name, the recognition, that kind of stuff. Um, I think Najee's a great pick, though. Like I think honestly, if he has what he has, that that's kind of the he's yeah. gonna have to lose it. 
Uh, I didn't go quarterback here because I think there's a lot of unknowns about that quarterback position. They right. really have to elevate themselves a lot right. if they're going to do that. A sleeper maybe would be Fields. Like let's say Fields doesn't start the first couple of weeks and then he has right. a great you know year. Uh, but I went yeah. Kyle Pitts uh, just because just for fun, just to say I did. Uh, all right, defensive rookie, who you got? And then we'll get out of here. All right, so this is kind of a homer pick here, uh, but yeah. I'm going with Patrick Sertan or PS2 as they call him. Now, it hurts as a Denver Broncos fan that they chose this guy, Patrick Sertan, over Justin Fields. You and I both know, Kevin, that Justin Fields is a franchise quarterback, and the Broncos should have taken them with the options that they had. Uh, But still, we drafted Sertan, and he has looked stellar this whole preseason. He's looked dominant. And Champ Bailey himself, cornerback legend of the Broncos, has said that he sees a lot of Patrick Sertan in himself. Or, you know... He sees himself in Patrick Sertan, which is high praise because Champ Bailey has never said that about anyone before, you know? So I really, I really like that. Now he, he is coming in with high expectations. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he struggles early, but I mean, he didn't look phased. He's six foot two. He's 208 pounds. I can easily see him, you know, I can easily see, see him having, four to five picks, uh, you know, like forcing some fumbles, you know, and having like a few sacks. Like he is a monster out there. He's tall. He gives me a keep to leave vibes, you know, and at a keep to leaves prime, he was a beast. So, you know, if Patrick Sertan can play to the elite level in which the Broncos drafted him, I can easily see him getting defensive player of the year or rookie of the year. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that uh, we should have drafted him, and you, Danny, you sniped him from us as a Dallas fan. Uh, but uh, mine's, a, mine's a Dallas pick, too, Mika Parsons. Well, and uh, the only reason why I picked Parsons is – I'm not a big fan of Parsons, but the only reason why I did pick Parsons is because I think that defense is going to be so bad that he's going to have so many tackles, and he's yeah. going to be used in so many different ways that I do think that, like, if he does have – like, so let's say he got seven or eight sacks, if he does something like that, and he has all these 100 over 100 tackles, which he could – uh, oh, yeah. realistically, oh, yeah. I think that he will, he could put up the numbers for defensive rookie just based on what is lack thereof around him. Yeah, man. I was just going to ask you over or under a hundred tackles for him. I think over, I yeah. think over. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be on the field as much as possible. I don't see how he can't get over, especially when inevitably Smith and Vander Esch get hurt. I agree. And he's looked like a beast on a mm-hmm. hard knocks. He's Six foot three, 250 pounds. He's fast, man. He's fast. If I didn't get, if the Broncos didn't, didn't draft fields or Sertan, I wanted Parsons. He's fast. So I like that pick. All right. All right. All right. Well, hey, you know, we're, we went through week one. I hope everybody enjoys week one. Uh, I know that me and Jake will try to give you as much as possible. I know That's Jacob's right. going to be doing a, a a kind of a weekly thing on Sundays for start sits. So if you need some help with that, um, you know, he'll be he'll be definitely there for that. Hit your yep. streamer options. And, you know, what? just have fun this week. And, and we have this now. I'm going to put Jacob on the spot. Who wins tomorrow? Cowboys or Buccaneers? Or Thursday? Cowboys or Buccaneers? Oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. I'm going with the Buccaneers. I know, I know, I know. It's lame, but I can't bet against Tom Brady on opening night. How about All you? Right. I'm going Cowboys. Come on. I can't pick against the Cowboys. The first game of the year. Uh, you know what? They're going to cover. What I think it's at minus eight or minus right. nine for the Bucks. I can see them covering. And then, you know what? Don't sleep on Dak. Dak is legit. Like, just of understand. Course. 
Dak is one of the best quarterbacks out there. So I'm going to go Homer, 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 picking Dallas. But, you know, in my heart, I know that they're going to choke. So I hope everybody enjoyed the show. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. We will catch you next week. And next week, as always, waiver wire ads. Listen to us. Get us out there. And please hit that subscribe button. Listen to the podcast. Let us know how you're doing. So appreciate you guys. And we'll see you next time.